I'm just excited about the series that we're in because it's speaking to so many everyday life challenges that we experience. And I don't know about you, but if, as we have been studying all of this and, and just um, um, preparing all the, all the sermons, we've just come across such gems of just helping people to build great relationships. Uh, I don't know about you, but this church is about relationships. This church is a relational group of people that want to know people. And uh, um, when you are trying to build something, you have to, you know, you have to get to, you have to get into the, into the nitty gritties to be able to build strong, to sort out little nicks and crannies and things that are preventing us from doing the way God wants it to be built. And so um, our Savior's Church has always been just that great place of coming home and uh, experiencing family. And uh, so it's, it's good that we talk about what we're going to be talking about today because this is probably one of the underlying things in our church that makes us successful. One of the underlying values of our church that really helps people to experience what they do when they do come. And it's unspoken of often, um, but it's a, it's a big reality for us. And, and ours is to now recognize it and, and to just facilitate it even better, to steward it and to cultivate it. So as we've been uh, d- progressing through this series, we've spoken about, you know, what love is. And we've just asked the question, am I really loving the person that I'm with? Or am I just infatuated with an idea of who I want to be with? And am I trying to kind of wing that person into who I want them to be? Or am I actually loving the person in front of me? And then the second week, we spoke about trust and how important it is to, to develop trust in our relationships. And how if trust breaks down, you know, the relationship kind of goes to waste. Um, and how difficult it is. And what do we need to do in order to, to, to trust people? Uh, what do we need to do in order to rebuild trust? You can find all these sermons on our website to go and read, uh, listen to them again if you have missed them. This, last week we spoke about communication. How many of you enjoyed the understanding of just recognizing what side of a conversation are you on? Are you on the topical side of the conversation or are you on the relational side of the conversation? Because we cannot find one another if we're not in the same side of a, common, of a conversation. There will be constant miscommunication and constant misunderstanding. Uh, if you're on this side thinking what is somebody is saying, but this person is really just saying something else, and uh, learn how to, how to find one another in those places and really communicate well and not just talk at each other. So the week after next week, we're going to speak about sexual intimacy. All right, so um, it's going to be like a, I think, probably a PG-14 uh, preach. So uh, be prepared if you have small kids that you don't want to be in the sermon, and that that is going to happen on the 21st. Um, and then on the, tw- on the 14th, Pastor Bubba is coming. Next week, Pastor Bubba is going to come, and he's going to just be um, speaking about a word that's on his heart. God has just placed a tremendous faith in this man, and he wants to come and encourage us. Even as he's walking through some trials right now with his, with his sickness, um, he's got a great word to bring to us. So just stick around for the next couple of weeks. It's going to be great. Um, and then guess what? At the end of the month, we're going to do like a panel discussion where some of the people in our church are going to be up here, and they're going to tell stories from their lives as it was relevant to the content that we discussed and just t- t- talked about how that played out in their life. So I, I look forward to, uh, you know, to that time. Um, so today, as we talk about a culture of honor, I want us to um, just again recognize the fact that Pastor Bubba started this church with such a, a culture of personal honor in himself. And um, you know what's amazing for me, I, I ended the last service with this, but I want to I start this service with this, is, is when we came and arrived here in the United States, nobody had met us. Well, there were very few people that had met us. Um, nobody had ever experienced our leadership. Nobody had ever uh, you know, heard, heard us preach or you know, uh, do anything much of or what, we would, what we were employed to do. And yet we stepped into a church and we were immediately received we were immediately celebrated and we were immediately allowed to fulfill the function and the calling that God had called us to do there. The only reason why it is possible for us to have been able to step into from like nowhere into a new place of at that time we were close to six, seven, eight hundred people in, a, in, in that congregation and lead and just like, you know, and have the support of the, 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 the volunteers and everybody that went with us was because the Jennings campus had been modeled what it means to honor. 
And Pastor Bubba taught the people how to honor. And, 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 and therefore they honored us because they honored Pastor Bubba. And that enabled us to be able to be the blessing that God meant for us to be here. You know, before we came here, we felt honored here. Whenever we would come, we would, people would, would receive us. And people would, you know, uh, celebrate the fact that we were here. Even before people knew that we would become the leaders here, even before we knew that we would become the leaders here, we felt honor. And we realized that that was not just something of the Jennings campus. It was a way that our Savior's church operates. It operates with honor. And I want to speak about that because it provides such an amazing environment today that we need to recognize it so that we can protect it, so that we can celebrate it, and uh, keep on building it, okay? So that's why we're going to talk about honor. Um, if, if, if Christ-like love is like the bedrock of all relationships, I want to show you a little schematic there on the, on the screen if it, if it can come up. Um, you, have, you have a couple of pillars that will make up a great, healthy relationship. And, and when we said masterclass, love, sex, marriage, we, we kind of went, okay, we're going to speak into marriages, but we want to apply the relationship principles broader than just marriage relationships. And so it actually applies to you, whether you're a parent and a child, a child and a parent, whether you're siblings just together or among friends, etc. It applies everywhere because relationships are, you know, of the same stuff when it comes to uh, the emotions involved and the decisions needed to cultivate it and the actions needed to make it thrive. So it doesn't matter if it's a, if it's a friendship relationship or a marriage relationship, it's going to apply. Um, and so we've, I've kind of drawn up this little schematic to say like a healthy relationship building or house will be built with Christ as the bedrock, but these four pillars needs to be in place. Trust, communication, honor, and sexual intimacy. And even when it comes to friendship relationships, there needs to be an understanding of what sexual intimacy in that scenario means because purity is a very, very important aspect when it comes to healthy relationships that are outside of marriage. And so we'll talk about that next, uh, next, ne- next uh, coming weeks. But tr- um, uh, what we speak about today is honor. And honor really, it, in a way, it's, it's one of the pillars, but in a way it actually enables some of the other things to also happen well. It enables trust in a sense and it enables communication in a sense as well. Because it's really a, a very key ingredient to a healthy, meaningful relationship. And I'm saying meaningful, excuse me, <coughs> Because how much you get out of a relationship is largely determined by whether you are honoring a person in that relationship. A culture of honor also creates an environment of grace. How many of you have experienced grace in this church? I have. It also uh, creates an environment of freedom. Like when my wife says, you're free to express who you are before the Lord. But you're also free to just be who you are. And by that estimate, not who you reckon yourself to be, but who God created you to be. You are free to be that and you are received as that. Um, and, and in an environment like that, don't you think that joy and health and flourishing just becomes a natural outcome of a place of honor? Here's an important aspect that honor helps in a relationship achieve. It takes the me in a relationship and it replaces it with we. We've often said this, that, you know, me is the enemy of we. And the fact is that it is so quick for us in relationships to just mm, deteriorate into selfishness, where it's become about me. It's about my, my desires. It's about my dreams, my hopes, my perspectives. And um, in Romans 12, verse 10, we see, uh, we see a little a little window into what it looks like when there's, a, when there's health in a relationship. Romans 12, 10 says this, Love one another with mutual affection and outdo one another in showing honor. Outdo one another in showing honor. It means that I am going to try and honor you more than what I experience you honor me. That type of relationship is a relationship that will naturally just have mutual affection, mutual love develop in it. See, when we are focused on ourselves, we tend to want to try and manipulate the partner, the other person, to, you know, to, to leave what they're about and to come to our side to serve us in what we need 
or to just do as we perceive or we're comfortable with. Well, the issue with that is that that person often then, you know, find themselves in a place where they, they're unfulfilled. They're not feeling loved. They're not being developed. All this relationship is about is about the other person. There is no mutuality in it. Honor prevents that from happening. Because when I honor you, I do not try to just get my own all the time. In fact, I am competing against you to give more to you than what I'm getting. That's the attitude of honor in a relationship and what it does. It takes the me out and it makes we primary. Now, if you can follow me, sometimes people see the other person as more important than themselves. And as the Bible says, we do need to regard other people higher as ourselves. It doesn't mean that we have to devalue ourselves. So sometimes you get people that are in a pretty stable and, you know, successful relationship. And, and, and it's where the, this one is like, oh man, you know, it's all about you. And the other one goes, no, it's all about you. That's not really the picture that I'm trying to create here. What I'm actually trying to create is a picture where Jesus is in the center of the relationship. And it's all about Him. And as we're both striving to become like Him, no one is undervalued or left behind or dominated or subservient. Both are equal under Christ in value and has to be equally honored. And as that happens, we are able to grow together into health where we're equally valued and we feel equally fulfilled and I don't have to degrade myself in order to make the relationship work. So it's so easy to, 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 to go the other way, however, to become self-serving and to, to just fight for my rights in a relationship. And the minute you get into that point, you find it hard to regard even what Christ wants for the relationship. If you look at a group of kids, for those of you who have kids, you'll see this happen very quickly. Um, whenever there is, you know, something that needs to get done uh, or there is, you know, fun to be had or opportunities, and the, the responses are so quickly just, my turn, me first, you know. <laughs> and and we, we think of that as comical, but then if we really go and look at it, you know, when we can come and I'm tired from work, all I want is some time to rest, I just want a little time on my own. I just want a little time to go do what I want to do. And so it's really not just children that suffer with this. It's, it's all of us. Um, and anybody who acts in a relationship like this actually dishonors the other person because you're not recognizing and receiving the other person where they're at and what their needs are. We're going to fix that today because we're going to talk about how we honor each other. First of all, we need to recognize that actually God has a big stake in this whole ordeal because for God, honor is something that He, he wants us to do to Him. Christians are commanded to honor God and we're also commanded to other, other people. So let's read some scripture that, that, um, that help us see this. In Revelation 4.11, it says this, You are worthy, O Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for, all, for you created all things. And by your will, they were created and have their being. Because of who God is, we honor Him. We honor, we respect Him. We choose to value Him for who He is and for what He has done. But it isn't just enough to claim that we honor God. Because Isaiah 29, 13 says, People come near to me with their mouths but they don't, but they, and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are actually far from me. I don't know if you found yourself in a place like that before where you have, you know, um, gone through the motions of Christianity, you know, where you, you know what kind of the, the right thing to say is. And, you know, um, when somebody says something about God, you can go, amen, brother. And, you know, when, when somebody is like uh, uh, saying something, you can respond with, a, you know, maybe a Bible verse or a thing. But your heart isn't really in it. I've been in such places. In fact, I've been in seasons where I've actually just argued with God about stuff and I was just uh, you know confused and in those times um, you know I would put up I put up a front to, to kind of you know fake it till I make it but deep down inside I was struggling I, my heart wasn't in it it can happen to anybody but God doesn't want that he doesn't want our honor to just be lip service like the one translation says in fact 
we honor God by our worship, but we also honor God by our obedience. We honor God by being here today, but we also honor God by living for Him Monday to Saturday. Our, if our hearts are in it, our honor will show up in our daily activities. Not only is it just about obedience, it's actually about pursuing His agendas above our own. See, so many Christians follow Jesus for what it does for them. But there is a place where God wants to bring every son and daughter of God to where your life will no longer just be about you, but it will actually be first and foremost about what God is trying to achieve on this earth. How God is trying to bring His kingdom into this earth and, 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 and save people's lives through it. He wants your involvement in that. So you will honor God by pursuing His mission over your own um, uh, uh, ambition. And that's a, sometimes a difficult place to get to because you know, sometimes because of lies that have been taught to us. Like, you know, uh, some people that have used the Bible just to uh, promote a sense of prosperity and, and a, a place where everything is about me and, and my comfort and my advancement. The gospel is actually pretty much the opposite. It asks you to lay down your life, pick up your cross and follow Jesus. And that's how we honor God. In fact, I like to say uh, when we call out our vision statement, what's the, what's the big idea of our church? We want to reach people and we want to build lives. But I like to preface that by saying we like to honor God, reach people and build lives. Because for me, if it's not about God's honor, then whose honor is it about? Are we just trying to be a great church in this era, area to get the praise and accolade of man? No, it's not about us. It's always been about God and about His kingdom. And so if it's not to honor Him, then what is it about? Are we just trying to feel successful? Are we just trying to feel like we've accomplished something? Are we just trying to feel like we've done good? Well, it can't be about that. Because that, that, that carries no real um, you know, legitimacy when it comes to the kingdom of God. We have to have it, the objective to be completely that we're here to honor God. And all we do is to honor Him. When we labor to see Christ formed in people, it's to honor God. And it's to acknowledge Him for who He is and what He did. And one, one guy said it this way. He said, as he was going on to a mission trip, um, in fact, it was, two, it was a couple of friends, uh, I just remember the story, a couple of friends who, was, who came into the knowledge that there was a, an island where a lord, an overlord, uh, housed a bunch of you know, people that worked for him. And he had banned the Bible from this island. It was a pretty big place and there were uh, thousands of people living there. And he essentially removed God out of that and, 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 and banned people from having religious paraphernalia. This group of people... Um, they were called the Moravians. They realized that these people are going to go to hell without Christ if they don't learn about Jesus. And so what they did was they willingly sold themselves into slavery to this overlord to gain access to this island so that they could live the gospel, live the Bible among these people and bring the truth of Jesus to people that would have gone without a witness. That's incredible for me. And you know what? The, Bible, uh, the, 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 the history, historic account says this. As they were put on the ship and they were waving goodbye forever to the people that they loved, the family members, they shouted these words so that the lamb that was slain may receive the reward of his suffering. Let that sink in a little. That's honor. That's honor. And here we are living consumer-driven lives where it's all just about us. And I'm just trusting God for all the things that he needs to do for me and give to me. Look, God cares about you deeply, deeply. Otherwise, he wouldn't have come to die on a cross but this life is not about us. This life is about Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And that is what we preach in this church because we want to honor God first and foremost. 
as we reach people, we reach them unto Him, not unto OSC. And as we build people, we build them unto Jesus Christ's image be formed in them, not some you know, personal identity that we have as a church. God is honored by us pursuing His mission over our consumer mindsets. And God is also honored in how we treat relationships. You can honor God by how you treat your spouse. You can honor God by how you treat your kids. Children, you can honor God by how you treat your parents. And you can honor your siblings by how you treat your parents. In fact, the Bible talks about honor in quite a, quite a few places. And, and it just calls out a number of places where we're called to honor. We're called to honor our fathers and our mothers. According to Exodus 20, honor your father and your mother. And it comes with a promise that that will cause you to have a long life in the land where God has placed you. We're, we're called to honor the elderly. Sometimes we think it's just our culture. No, it's the Bible's influence on our culture that causes us to have a high regard for the elderly. We are to honor rulers, according to second, uh, 1 Peter 2 verse, verse 17, people that are in government over us. Now look, it doesn't mean that you have to have nice feelings for them. Because sometimes they do do stupid things, but you still have to honor them. Because the Bible asks us to honor. We're called to honor church leaders, according to 1 Timothy 5.17. We're called to honor people who serve Christ faithfully. Not those who are in full-time ministry only, but all those who are serving. That's why we often make such a big deal about the people that serve in our church. People that have taken it upon themselves to actually give back from all that they're receiving in the house because we want to honor them because the Bible says that we need to honor people who serve Christ faithfully. We need to honor widows and we need to honor <laughs> all mankind. Listen to 1 Peter 2 verse 17. It says it this way. It, says it, it starts like this. Honor everyone. <laughs> okay, so if you wonder if there's somebody that we shouldn't honor, no, there isn't. Honor everyone. If it's alive, if it's breathing, then we need to honor them. That's, how, that's God's heart for, for us because God knows that if we honor people, we'll have good relationships. Look, you cannot, honor, you cannot influence somebody you're not honoring. Somebody th that feels shamed by you, you'll have zero positive influence in their life. So even if there's somebody that you have uh, not you know, the, the, the fluffiest of feelings for, unless you honor them, there's nothing you can do about the fact that, you know, their relationship is, is, is not good. Your attempt to start getting into that relationship to help somebody see something different or change, or it's starting by honoring them. And we'll talk about how we do that in a second. Listen to this. Psalm 8 verse 5. You, talking about God, have made them, talking about us, a little lower than the angels. And crown them with glory and honor. God crowned every human being on this planet with glory and honor. Now here's what I want to ask you. How do you treat people that serve you at restaurants? How do you treat people who are um, maybe calling you to sell something to you? How do you treat people who clean for you? How do you treat people who are, are different from you in maybe the way they look ethnically? How do you treat people that have a different culture or a different maybe style than you? Maybe wear their clothes a little less tight and a little bit more falling offish. How do you treat people that are different from you? Are you honoring to them? Or do you dismiss them? Do you crown them with shame and disrespect rather than with honor? See, God honored all humans. No matter from what country they come from, no matter from what nationality they come from, what ethnicity they come from, and we are dishonoring God if we dishonor people from other nations 
if we dishonor people from other cultures or people that look different or feel different from us about certain aspects, about certain things? How do you treat somebody that is of a different political stance than you? If I pull up your, uh, your Twitter feed right now and I scroll back to the 6th of November, what will I find? Will I find words of honor or will I find words of dishonor? You see, God started this whole thing of honoring humanity and therefore God wants us to honor all people no matter where they come from or from what uh, perspective they are. What does it mean to honor? It simply means this, to esteem and treat others with respect because of who they are or because of what they've done. Honor adds a sense of value or, or, or quality to somebody. And when you value and you esteem something, you honor it. You honor it. Honor has to be cultivated because it's the result of intentional living out of a vision to lift people up that are around us. I don't know about you, but I feel sometimes there are people in life that they've made it their intentional vision to put others down, to degrade others, to kind of just make people feel stupid, to make, you know, to, 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 to make people um, uh, uh, feel like fools and to bring shame on people for maybe who they are, maybe they've got big ears or for uh, how they, or, or they have a lisp or, 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 you know, or what they've done. Maybe they did something that was dishonorable but even if we do that, it's no reason why we should add to that. In fact, I'll tell you earlier, a bit later, what we do, even in circumstances like that, to still show honor to people. Honor has to be cultivated. It's not something that just, um, this church, when you first in, stepped into this church, I hope, and this, that's our absolute aim, is that you felt received. You felt validated. You felt celebrated. That, that, is, that is a very important aspect to our church. And why when people come, we say, hey, welcome home. I don't know you from Adam, but I know you belong here. It's because of the fact that honor has been instilled in our culture. But if we don't know it, we don't perpetuate it. We just take it for granted. And then sooner or later, because we're not repeating it, it just starts degrading. So we're talking about honor because we want to sustain it. We want to steward and cultivate it. It is intentional. And the intentional vision is to lift people up. So when you interact with people, do they feel lifted up? You know, they say there's a difference between a leader um, and, and a boss. When you interact with a boss, you know how great they are. But when you meet a true leader... They make you see how great you are. God wants us to honor all people. And to honor people is to confer value on people. Maybe they can't even see it yet themselves. Then it's my job to lift them up so that they can start seeing the value inside of them. Because I want to honor them. Because of who they are. They are God's creation. Because the fact that they have been blessed with things um, that what God wants to release through them as well. It's intentional, it's an objective, it's an idea of lifting people up around us. But it doesn't just happen through us knowing about it or saying, yeah, okay, I'll do it. There are some things that we have to do practically in order for this culture to remain and this culture to really thrive. The first thing is we need to receive people for who they are and for what they've been blessed as. And then we need to protect people and then we need to promote people. And I'll talk about all three just now. Number one says we need to receive people for who God made them to be. Now, sometimes people act like God did not make them to be. But if I am going to help them become who God wants them to be, I first have to recognize them for who they are. I can't come in bulldozing and say, hey, you're doing it wrong. Let me show you how. Because then they just go, not today. And, you know, I'm out of here. 
People want to f- need to feel received. They need to feel acknowledged. And, um, and, and, and the first thing that we need to realize is that every single person has been created with intense value. Everybody matters. Doesn't matter if they're in this church or not. Doesn't matter if they're not even in the kingdom of God yet. They matter. God loves people that are not believers yet. They matter to Him. If they didn't matter to Him, He would have never sent His Son to come die because at the time His Son did, no one was God's friends. The Bible says we all were God's enemies when He decided to come to earth. And He died for us before anybody became His friends truly. We were still in a place of enmity toward Him because we were born sinful. And yet He found value in us to come and save us. That means the people that are on in this room, they matter. It matters that they're not here. It's an issue. It is an issue. And we need to recognize it as such. And we need to start saying, how can I get them to be here? Because they should be here. These are all mindsets that you, 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 you start realizing when you realize God honors people. And God wants me to honor people. And so they'll matter. And so next time I get a thought, maybe I should invite this person to come along. That's not just a, you know, oh, you know, maybe I had some, you know, some bad to eat yesterday. Or maybe I feel, you know, like I'm missing people that I don't know. No. That's the Holy Spirit saying to you, that person matters. Call them. Reach out to them. Hear where they're at. Have a conversation. People matter to God. Psalm 139 confirms this. Verse 14 says, I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Check out this next part. Your works are wonderful. Psalmist goes, man, you've made me so intricately. So many things about me that I don't even understand myself yet. That's just amazing. Wow. That means everybody's amazing. You're intricate. You're intricate. You're valuable. You're amazing. You're a wondrous work of God. Every one of us here are wonderful works of God. God created you beautiful in your own right. Every single one of us has value and matter intensely to God. And that deserves to be recognized. That deserves to be lifted out and called out. So we all need to take the same attitude about people around us, that they're wonderful works. Sometimes you wonder how they work, but they're still wonderful works. We know that full well, that we can honor people regardless of how we feel about them because honor is not about feelings. Honor is about recognizing this person was made in the image of God. This person matters to God and therefore they're going to matter to me. They're going to matter to me. Everyone deserves honor because they were made in God's image and God has given them gifts and abilities that are meant to add value to one another. Look, to the point that you acknowledge somebody, to that point you'll be able to receive from them. If you look at somebody, you just dismiss them off. You know, that person's not valuable. That person doesn't matter. Maybe he looks a little different. Maybe he smells a little different. Or maybe you just don't like his perspectives. And you sidestep, you kind of sideline that person. Guess what? You're never going to be able to receive anything good from that person. You've made your decision about how much you can receive out of it. But guess what? God has placed value inside that person. He has placed valuable pearls inside of that person. That that person is meant to deal. Ugh, deal. I'm started speaking Afrikaans. Um, that person is meant to share, <laughs> to share with people around them. But guess who's not getting any? You. Because you're not valuing that. You're not honoring that person. You don't have to agree with everything everybody does or says to be able to value them, to be able to honor them. Because it's not in their, it's not in their um, activities that they that they that they purely deserve honor. It's the fact that God made them. It's the fact that there is something about them that matters to Him and that He wants to see uh, received into His kingdom and then, and then utilized for His glory. 
That's how we can honor believers and non-believers alike. Because we recognize that God has placed stuff in them, even if they don't recognize the giver yet. We recognize that God has given them amazing things that He wants them to be a blessing to other people with. Now, every person on earth has a unique combination of personality and temperament traits. And (laughs) the first thing we need to do if we're going to practically honor people is we need to receive them, like I said, for who they are, who God created them to be. Well, guess what? God created each and every one of us unique with a unique combination of personality and temperament traits. And, you know, there are great assessments that help you find in generality what kind of personality traits you have. And they're great tools for me to acknowledge who you are, for me to receive who you are. And if you have have a relationship that's important to you, you simply have to learn what their personality traits, what their temperament traits are. Because you're not going to be able to receive them for who they are if you don't study them, if you don't learn them, if you don't get to know them better. That's why it's so important for us to actually become interested in how God has designed people so we can acknowledge them. Hey, I can see that God made you to be a more, you know, one-on-one kind of person than, than me. I'm more of a group kind of person, right? I'm more of a person that loves the crowd. Well, some of you are like, I don't like the crowd. I'll rather just be one-on-one with, pers- with somebody where it's quiet. You know, people often go like, yeah, they'll give us advice to, as to where to go on vacation. And then they'll say, you know what I like about it? It's quiet. There's nobody there. You, know, you have the whole beach to yourself. I'll go like, I'm never going there. <laughs> we like the commotion. <laughs> we like having to, like, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. Okay, if I sit here, okay, okay, thank you. And then, and then you strike up a conversation with the guys. Hey, where you all from? Oh, oh, South Africa? Oh, oh, nice, yeah. Oh, what are you doing here? Oh, we, we're here to lead a church. Wow, you're a church? You're, you're, you're a pastor? Yeah, I'm a pastor. Well, I don't believe in God. And now I can have a conversation about Jesus. Loving it. My best life ever. Yo, most of you go like, oh, Jesus, that, that never happened to me. <laughs> but that makes us different, right? Now, I can want to bring you on a holiday with me, and you'll have the worst time of your life. I can have the best time of my life because I don't know you, because I'm not honoring you. I'm not receiving who you are. And if I do want to receive who you are, I will rather go with you and go to a cabin on a lake and we can do fishing, and just you and I, we can just put poles in the water, and we can just have conversations, deep conversations. And sometimes we find that, and our survey revealed, that people are often finding it difficult to figure out who's right and who's wrong. And these, there are conflicts because of perspectives and people's opinions about things. And it comes down to honoring. Because if I, if I feel like I am right about something, I need to make sure, am I objectively right about this? Or is this just my preference and my opinion based on how I am designed on this matter? Now, we're not talking about objective scripture. We're not talking about truth. There is objective truth. The Bible, we believe this Bible is objectively true for every season, for every generation, for every millennia. It will never go out of style. It doesn't have to adjust to culture. It doesn't have to adjust to, um, you know, who's in, 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 in government. This Bible is objectively true always. I'm not talking about that. We believe that, we preach from that, we preach it like that, we handle it like that. But when it comes to my opinion on a matter, like for instance, group people, individual people, what's more important, the quantity of friends or the quality of friendships? All right, well, if you're the one-on-one person, you are now no doubt said quality right now. But if you're the group person, you no doubt said quantity. Like what happens if someone's not available? Then I'm going to be on my own, God forbid. No, I need substitutes, rolling substitutes. Just keep them coming. You tired? All right, go bench. Next. Now, who was right in this scenario? Both. You were right, but you were also right, but it was determined by my preference and my, my, my personality, not objectivity. And so many of our conflicts are born out of that. It's born out of the fact that just because I am the man, I'm right, therefore. No. We need to learn how to think further than that. Life isn't that simple. It's more complex. You have to allow for the fact that your personality makes you see something in a certain way. And that doesn't make your partner wrong. It makes them different. 
And you know what? There's a reason why they're different. Maybe God needed you because you have a whole lot of wrong opinions to just come this way a little bit and acknowledge that there are more ways to see things. There are more ways to get things accomplished than maybe my way. And I don't have to dominate the relationship that I'm in the whole time. I can honor the other person and acknowledge them. Hey, you might have a better perspective in this, in this regard because you know what? You're more designed to see things from that that scenario's perspective. And so I'm going to defer to you to make a call what you think we need to do on this one. What an amazing moment if you can have conversations like that with a person that you're in relationship with. God wants us to honor one another and honoring one another is recognizing one another. I recognize you're going to be stronger in this thing than me. And I don't have to feel insecure by that. I benefit from that because now your pearls become value-adding to me. But if I disregard that, hey, I'm just going to go without. And the relationship is going to be poorer for it. You get task-focused people and you get people-focused people, right? So I'm going to ask the question. How many of you know that you're a task-focused person? You focus on tasks. Things need to get done. All right. How many of you know that you're a people-focused person? Like relationships and the people behind the, the, the tasks are more important to me. Here's the question. What's more important, that the work gets done or the relationships get preserved? Okay, I've got a wise person in the crowd. <laughs> you're right, okay? But the point is that if you're the task-focused person, your natural inclination is to go, we got to get this done. but you might find yourself getting things done and have no one to share it with. But there's no point in just having mushy, flushy, fluffy, you know, feelings and relationships and everything, but nothing gets done. There's a verse in Ecclesiastes that says the following. It's good to grab a hold of the one without letting letting go of the other. Godly people will avoid either extreme. God wants us to learn how to find that middle way and it's found in honor. It's when I recognize you for who God created you to be. When I recognize that you have validity, your opinions matter, your perspectives are a God gift to me, not just something I need to manage. Like I'll argue away. You give me your perspective, but then I go, oh, this is why you're wrong. You know, this is why, and so we're just gonna go with what I said in the first place anyways. No, that's not honor. That's dictatorship. God wants us to grow through these things. He wants us to learn how to honor one another so that both can thrive, both can grow, and both of what God has placed, um, what God has placed in both of us can, can become, you know, can be, can, can be offered. I find more value and I can see my value if who I am is used, if it, if it, if it helped a situation. Like if I made a call and it was the right call and my wife recognizes it, it makes me feel great. Same for her. If I go, oh man, I'm so glad we went with what you said. I'm going to give you a quick example of that without trying to go too long. Um, <laughs> we, we, the first service, we have a little broadcast thing that goes online to a private group of uh, our, our members, about 45 people that, um, that sometimes for various reasons can't be at the service. And so we, we broadcast it, not publicly because it's just amateur, but we just put it out to the group, just to keep them included, right? So the one morning, I, um, it, was, it was one of those cold mornings, right? And I just, I felt like, like no one's going to show up for church today. <laughs> you know, just a little uh, peek into the, the mind of a pastor. It felt like everybody's going to, you know, be afraid to travel on the icy roads and there's just nobody's going to come, right? And so in my mind, I was like thinking, maybe, should I, maybe I should make that real public. Maybe I should put it out on our Facebook page so that, you know, more people can access it, etc. But I know it's not quality enough to really do that. Um, and uh, it's just, so I'm, I'm, I'm in this wrestle, right? So I go to my wife, I said, hey, what do you think? You think I should just make it public? I just, I just anticipate that you know, many people won't be able to come today because of the weather and all that. And so I don't want them to miss out on, on, on something that they could have had access to. And, um, and at the same time, I'm like, 
you know what, it's really not the kind of quality that I want to put out on a public platform like that. I'm, I'm okay to do it in-house for, just for us. And I've, every person that I've put on there, I've explained to them this. Look, this is not meant to be professional. It's, it's just so that you have access. I just want to give you, a, I give you the ability to stay, um, stay included. And uh, in fact, that, that I did it because people started asking for it rather than me. It wasn't my idea. I, I kind of um, acknowledged that, that need. Um, and uh, <laughs> so my wife says to me, babe, just keep it as it is. It's okay. Now and then people miss church. It's not the end of the world. I go, okay, I'm going to keep it private on the private group. I arrive here. As I'm setting it up, I'm doubting. I'm like, yeah, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to put it public. Do you know what? I know what she said, but I'm going to put it public, right? As I'm about to go onto it, I feel the Holy Spirit tap me on my, on my back. He's like, listen to your wife. I go, is this one of those moments, Lord, where your voice sounds like my wife's? <laughs> and uh, and, and, and I, sure enough, I felt that he said, listen to your wife. So I didn't. I kept it private. I kept it on the private group. Guys, that day, the, the, the worst thing happened. I don't know if y'all remember. It was that day when the, the screen went dead. How many of you were here? The screen went dead. I had us turn around to watch that screen. That screen went dead. We ended up having to sing without words. It was an absolute chaos. Chaos. Afterwards, I think to myself, oh, Lord Jesus, you protected me so much by listening to my wife. Uh, this could have been out there on the interwebs and people were like, oh, my God, this church doesn't have, doesn't have nothing. This is, this is. Listen to your wife <laughs> sometimes. Guys. I'm honest. It's so many times that you find yourself in situations where you need to recognize when do certain individuals in the household have the better perspective to be making a decision. It's not wrong for the man who is the legitimate head of a house to ask his wife what, he, what she thinks. And when she makes a call to go, we're going to do what mom said. It doesn't take away any of your headship. It makes you a wise head to know which hand to use for what task. Honor your wife. Honor your husband. There's another way that we receive people. It's by recognizing that people experience love differently. Our people have different love languages. Like, let, me, let me give you a quick example. Now, unfortunately, I can't uh, speak freely because, you know, my wife is here. Uh, in the first service, she wasn't here. So, um, my wife and I had a misunderstanding about her love language. Now, she denies this to this day, but I know I'm right. Um, uh, <laughs> um, so, for those of you who don't know the thing called love languages, go Google it. Go figure out what is your love language. If your, a relationship matters to you, figure out how that person experiences love the easiest. Because that enables you to more effectively communicate that you care for them. Okay, so you can figure that out. But there are five different love languages. The first one, uh, well, my first one, let me rather say, like, uh, my first one is words of affirmation. Right? So whenever somebody gives me an attaboy, I feel like a million bucks. Um, and, and, and many people, according to our survey, actually in our church, you know, loves the attaboy one. Uh, affir affirming words are, 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 are prevalent in our community for receiving uh, feelings of care and affection. Um, women on the, on the second uh, love language are mostly acts of service, and then men on the other one is mostly physical affection, physical touch. Um, but anyway, so that's what mine is. So when we get together the first time and we get to know each other, etc., she's not very certain about what her love language is, and so she kind of like, says like, yeah, you know, I like compliments, and yeah, I like, I like physical affection. So I think to myself, that's my top two. I can do this, all right? I got this covered. This is going to be easy. We're going to understand each other, right? So my wife and I go into our first year of marriage, and, you know, things are great. Second year of marriage, things are great. Yeah, somewhere she starts changing her mind on her love language. I'm like, you don't get to do that. You, there, there was full disclosure before we went into this thing, and now you want to change all that on me? That's not fair. How do I know if I should have, would have signed up for that if I knew that from the start? <laughs> I'm in big trouble. 
So anyways, so she tells me that her new love language, right now, the, the new one, is going to be the giving of gifts. <laughs> guess what's my number five? Giving of gifts. The weakest way that I show affection to people is by giving them gifts. Now my wife's top language is giving gifts. I'm like, oh my goodness, this is going to be odd. <laughs> now I need to learn how to love in a new way. But you know what? I was actually pretty daft because uh, um, when we met first, she would just buy me clothes the whole time. I just thought she couldn't stand the look of my style. So she just needed to change it. So I was just like, all right, woman, I'll wear whatever you want to wear as long as I can be with you. <laughs> Meanwhile, she was loving me the way she loves by giving gifts. I should have just opened my eyes to it. Um, anyway, so it's partly my fault, but mostly hers. <laughs> all right, I need to conclude here. There's three ways that we practically give honor. We receive people for who they are. We don't try and change them. We try to work with them. We try to honor them. Second, we protect people. 1 Peter 4, 8 says, Above all else, love, above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sin. Love covers a multitude of sin. Honor looks like this. When you point out someone's strengths, not their weaknesses. When you celebrate people's wins, not their failures. When you see people's potential in the future rather than focus on their failures in the past. That's what it looks like to protect people. Let me say this. If somebody comes to you and tells you something bad about somebody, here's my response to that person. Who told you this? Did you experience this yourself? If you did not experience this yourself, you need to keep quiet right now. I'm going to protect that person's honor. Because I don't know where that information comes from and how, what the circumstances around that, inf that information was. Secondly, if somebody, um, then I'm going to ask them, did you, did you talk to this person about what you heard? Another reason why you need to just stay quiet right now and not say a word further. You first have to go figure and sort this out with that person before you start talking and bad-mouthing a person even further when you haven't even verified whether they did really do that or whether you understood the situation correctly. We need to protect each other. And, and that helps us when we, and that's what gossip does. It breaks honor. If you're listening to someone gossiping about other people, you're dishonoring that other person by not protecting their honor. By not coming and saying, hey, where does this information come from? It's not good for us to discuss stuff like this that shows people's weaknesses and exposes people. Love covers a multitude of sin. Either you need to go and verify this with that person and then that needs to be sorted out there anyways. You have no business talking about another person's business except with him in front of other people. That's the kind of attitude we need to have when we hear people starting to, to gossip about other people because we're called to protect people. If we live like that, we create an area of safety where people feel protected and people are able to come and actually reveal what's really going on on the inside of their hearts. We all need spaces and places where we can be vulnerable, where we can reveal our weaknesses without getting shamed for it so that we can face our demons. You cannot face something that you're not even able to acknowledge or to reveal. And so we need to create that environment. You know, Pastor Bubba always says this. And one time I had to go to him and talk to him about something. And he said to me, I, I, you know what? I, I, think, I don't think less of you. I think more of you now. Because you trusted me and I will protect your honor. I will help you through this situation. That's the kind of environment that an honor culture creates is I'm able to be vulnerable. I can open up my weaknesses and I can get help. I can be healthy again because I was able to take out the, the, the parts that were disinfected out of my heart because I have a sp safe space where confession is welcomed. It's invited. Number three, how do we honor us? We promote people's giftings and callings. One of my pursuits have been to find out what is my wife's callings? What is her giftings? And I have always tried my best to create space for her to excel in her calling as well. 
you know what, it's not, it's not very normal to have women pastors and women ministers. But that's my wife's calling. And God has placed her in my life so that I will promote and celebrate that. Receive her for who He created her to be and create space where she can thrive. Husbands, my question is, do you even know what your wife's calling is? Are you creating space so that she can thrive? She can, she, are you protecting her so that other things don't interfere when, when she's being told to do things that, that she's not being called to do? That's your job. That's your job to help your wife to thrive in who she is, what she's called to be, what she's called to do. You can't do that if you haven't even learned what her personality style is. Some of y'all have some homework to go do to learn how you can honor the people around you. You know, when you honor somebody, you encourage them to use their gifts. You try to create space and platform for them to use their gifts from. Here's what dishonors somebody. If you become insecure about their gift. Let me tell you this. My wife is a far better manager than I am. She has attention to detail that I can never even think to. If I'm thinking of thinking of detail, I can't even think of as much detail as my wife just thinks just on a whim. She sees things. We are better for having her involved in the ministry because she catches things and <laughs> that I will just like. But the same for each and every one of you. We are better for you being here. But we have, to, we have to get the privilege that you will give us access to that. And that's what it does when you sign up for our family, you know, joining our family class. We call it Next Step so far. About to change that. But that's what you do is you give us access to who you are so that we can receive you even better and, and see what God has placed on the inside of you. When you, when you become insecure because of another person's success, you lose out on receiving from that person because you can't speak anything good about them. Like there's a businessman in church, another businessman in church. One business is thriving, the other's business is struggling. That one feels insecure about this one, so he starts mad-mouthing him. That's ridiculous. You need to honor that person. You know what happens? As you honor him, he starts seeing your need, and he comes offers mentorship. Hey, can I help you with that? Let's make your business successful too. And because you're celebrating him, he's able to lift you up and honor you again. Honor creates an environment where both parties can grow and excel. But we need to commit to intentionally living in such a way as to lift people up. Let me speak into something about our culture because we like to cut up a lot. And we forget that many a truth is often spoken in jest. You cannot influence anybody that you dishonor. It just doesn't work that way. How many of you have had childhood experiences where a father tried to get you to become more by putting you down? And it never works. And yet we perpetuate that by making insinuations, little, little comments to our, to our spouses of things that we don't dislike or things we don't like, things that we want, that dishonors them. And we think that that's going to motivate them to change. It won't. It'll just drive a wedge in between you. No. The way we serve each other is through honor. It's to recognize. It's to protect and to promote. And then you trust. If there are things that legitimately need to change, you just trust. You trust God. You honor God by honoring His creation. And you put your faith in God. And you patiently wait for His salvation in the matter. Don't take it into your own hands. Your job is to honor. Your job is to honor. And through honor, that relationship will get well again. Let's all stand together as we pray today. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for these principles that you have placed in your word that even today in this world, Lord, still speaks volumes to us on how to live our lives in such a way that honors you and others, honors people around us. Lord, we want to just acknowledge you first and foremost. 
You created us, Father. Lord, you saved us. And so, Father, because you saved us and because of who you are, the creator, we, you deserve all glory and all honor. And, Father, today we just focus our attention on you and we give you all that you deserve, Lord. And, Father, we recognize that you have created each and every person we encounter in life. Help us, Lord, we pray today, to honor them with your view of them in mind. Help us to see them the way you see them so that we can value them like you value them. Help them to help us so that people will, will start mattering to us, Lord God. Help us, Lord, so that we can honor our spouses, we can honor our siblings, our parents. We can honor our children and see health and healing come. Safe spaces created, honor, honest conversations had where you just bring your kingdom and your joy and your peace back into our hearts. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen and amen.